Tonight, I can report to the American people and to the world that the United States has conducted an operation that killed Osama bin Laden. Where we continue to follow the capture and killing of Osama bin Laden now. Those are just some of the scenes overnight as thousands of Americans gathered in celebration of Osama bin Laden's death. Former Navy SEAL Rob O'Neill says he has thought about the mission every day since that May Day in 2011. From multiple conversations you had with Rob O'Neill over the past year and a half, how'd you get And you described that his head kind of exploded yes, when you hit I, him. Yes, I actually hit him three times because I shot him twice when he was standing and once on the ground. That is the fucking American badass. Go, go, go. We are not going for fame and we are not going for bravado. We are going for the single mom who dropped her kids off at elementary school on a Tuesday morning, and then 45 minutes later, she jumped to her death out of a skyscraper. If you need help, hang up and then dial your operator. I'm Rob O'Neill, and this is the Operator Podcast. Welcome to episode 47. Before we get started, I need to talk one more time about Memorial Day weekend. I actually went to Cape Cod and I brought my entire Moink box up there. And I've told you about Moink before and you got to look into it. It's a meat subscription box. It's a company on a mission to fight for the family farm. They're located in rural America, run by an eighth generation female farmer. Their animals are raised humanely. Their employees are paid a living wage. And the quality of the meat is better than you'll find in any store. We were up there and I'm talking Everyone that had it, best chicken they've ever had. Obviously, the bacon. I can't rave enough about the bacon, but the breakfast sausage. Pineapple jalapeno brats. It's, uh, it, it, it will deliver grass-fed, grass-finished beef and lamb, pastured pork and chicken, sustainable wild-caught Alaskan salmon right to your door. Did you know that 60% of pork production comes from one company owned by China, and their hogs are given something that's called ractopamine, which is banned in 160 countries, including China, but you can find it in grocery stores every day. That's why this is a better way to do it, to get Moink. It's a difference you can taste. I'm telling you, I've given it to my father in Montana, my brother. I sent my mom a package, brought it to Cape Cod. I get them every month, and uh, you, can, you can actually pick what you want in your box, like ribeyes, chicken breasts, pork chops, salmon fillets, much more, and you can cancel at any time. Keep American Farmer going by signing up at moinkbox.com slash the operator right now and listeners will get free bacon with your first box that's the best bacon you'll ever taste everybody says that every time from my kids up to my uh my father but it's for a limited time spelled m-o-i-n-k that's moo plus oink m-o-i-n-k box.com slash the operator that's moinkbox.com slash the operator hello welcome back to the operator podcast this is episode 47, if you can believe that, and I appreciate you sticking around with me. It seems like time's flying by. This is a Friday episode, which I ha- I've only been doing a few of these sometimes with interviews, but I may start doing more. It is summertime. I'm trying to travel less and hit more golf. Well, not hit more golf balls, swing at more golf balls. But uh, episode 47, like I said, is on a Friday because there's just there seems to be there's just so much stuff going on that we got to talk about and I I I have been getting some pretty cool requests at the operator podcast on Instagram at Makuya, M C H O O Y A H on Instagram and at Makuya on Twitter and a lot of people are saying they want to hear about more missions and that's fine we could probably find a few more you know you, you only have so many war stories and uh 
training stories and stuff like that. I've covered a lot of them. If you haven't heard them, uh, if you go back to the first five, like five episodes, I covered a lot of the stuff, everything from getting to SEAL Team 2 after Buds. I have a whole Buds episode, and I've interviewed other people about Buds, and we'll do more of that stuff too. That's fun. Um, and then SEAL Team 2, deployments overseas before 9-11, um, to the Middle East, to the Mediterranean on some ships, the USS Austin, or was we lovingly called it the USS Pigsty. Uh, the USS Austin was an Austin-class LPD, which is an amphib ship that carries Marines. It's been around for a long time. It was an Austin-class, which means it's the, the Austin-class is the first one of its ship. One of, sorry, the first ship in its class. And um, that means it's old, which means that it had flat bottoms, like the keel was flat. Now they have this high-speed stuff in the Navy where they have like double keels and it's all stealth technology and apparently the double keel helps from the rocking. But when you're crossing the Atlantic on a flat bottom boat and if you hit a storm, which we did, a lot of interesting times. I did get to, uh, that's the first time I really got to work with Marines. It was a really good time. Got, you know, a little bit of stuff here and there, pre-9-11 and post-desert um, storm. So guys, you know, Guys from that generation will say, well, you know, hey, what did you do as a Navy SEAL? Well, I can't talk about it. Well, usually if you can't talk about it, you don't really <laughs> you don't really have anything. And that was kind of the the, the 90s there. Um, we got into places, like I said, Bosnia, Kosovo. We took down some ships in the Persian Gulf or Arabian Gulf, depending on well, whatever. Uh, but a lot of time traveling around, a lot of time in Germany, a lot of time training with other special forces before 9-11. Like I said, it was pretty awesome to get to know everybody and travel. Got to get to a lot of uh, a lot of countries around the world, too. And it's it's uh, there's a if if you want to get educated, you got to travel and you got to talk to other people. What's happening now is like schooling. They're just getting there's a difference between getting schooled and getting educated. There's a difference between 45 minutes to an hour in a classroom, listen to someone who doesn't want to be there and a bell rings and you just realize that everything's not important anymore. I got to get to my next class. That's probably meaningless. That'll be a good episode to talk about education because uh, I think, you know, if, if you can learn to communicate, learn math, obviously, and uh, learn you know, languages, communication, I think you're going to be successful. But I, I learned a lot of uh, whatever it is that I learned from uh, traveling different places on the USS Austin. The, I think the first foreign country I visited was Spain, and that's when I realized the Navy should say, join the Navy and see the world from about 12 miles away. I did get to Puerto Rico before that, which is another funny story I might get into. I might need to get some permission for what happened in Puerto Rico during SEAL tactical training in the dive phase at Rosie Roads, Roosevelt Roads, and uh, Chicken Jose's off base, and then going into San Juan, Puerto Rico for uh, for uh, a three-day weekend at the Hilton or some crazy stuff. That was fun. But uh, if, like I said, for some of those stories, if you hit me up in the comments, I will revisit some if you need to. And I'm sure I'm, I'll, I'll listen to my old podcast, too, and see what I said, or I'll just call some friends and see what they, they think we should talk about. Because there are some, I mean... What's cool about basic underwater demolition SEAL training, or BUDS, is that even if you didn't make it through, every dude that's been there has a different experience. I I, I interviewed uh, Remy a few weeks ago, and he went through... That's a good interview if you haven't listened to it. He, he went through Hell Week like three times. Hell Week is starts on Sunday, and you don't sleep really until 
you're done on Friday. You get a little bit here and there. At least when I when it went through when I was hard. When it was hard. When I was hard. Um no, I'm just kidding. It's there's there's still great people there, complete studs. Guys guys are going to buds now that were that are very, very qualified and very prepared. And I think that's a good thing to a point. I think one of the issues they do out there right now is they get them a little too cocky, the bud students, because the rumor that I've heard, and again, correct me if I'm wrong, if you're in the Navy or just left the Navy, if, if you were a uh, recruit division commander, if we still call them that or something at boot camp, if you know the pipeline, a comptroller, comptroller has the money, right? Uh, uh, there's a word for the guy that sends you places, and I forgot what it was. Um, but I think they, they get you, if you qualify, not qualify, if you pass like the ASVAB and the paperwork to get into SEAL training, I think they put guys into a, a different boot camp and a different selection, and they're prepping them for SEAL training. And people at that age, and I've been there, when you like when I got orders to buds, I ought, I would say that I was SEAL qualified, and I'm a stud, and they're teaching these guys that um, they're special. You're special now, and you're not special. And then these guys with the air lats, they show up to SEAL training, and then they get the hammer dropped on them. And a lot of guys quit because I guess budget is pretty hard. Still, that's what I've heard. I haven't, I haven't been out there in a long, long time. But even if you're eating a lot and you have medical personnel following you, if you stay awake for five and a half days, you're gonna be, you're gonna be paying the man, especially if you're getting that water. Because people, it, it's a, it's a great white shark super highway from uh, Isla Guadalupe in Mexico up to Oregon, and no seal, candidate or Navy seal from one of the West Coast teams has ever been, ever been attacked. Because you're not in the menu, even though there has been a recent, a recent group of shark attacks on the East Coast, and we'll we'll get into that in a minute. There's a story in there that's kind of creeped me out. Um, but uh, great white, you're not on the menu. If you if if we were on the menu for an apex predator like a great white shark, there'd be deaths. They would be eating us every day, not accidentally biting us once a year. Not us. I mean, some poor unlucky dude or man or woman. But uh, um. I always said SEAL training and the swims especially for me is someone said, well, aren't you worried about getting attacked by a great white shark? And I'd say, well, no, because I'm not that lucky. I'm such a bad swimmer. With my luck, I'd be done with the swim. A great white would grab me, swim me two miles out, and then make me do the swim again. That's that that's bad. But but uh, a lot of people are getting sick down there too because it, the, the water's – I mean, it's not dangerous. I mean, it can be dangerous, but – you got to. I'm not thinking about sharks. I'm talking about you're swimming next to Tijuana, where they. I think they dump raw sewage into the ocean, and you're right up the street from that. Like Tijuana and IB is is right there, and it's just. I mean, we had a blast in Mexico every time we went there because I was 19, and uh, the cartels weren't as bad back in the day. Um, and but you know who was a strong group was the dude with the whistle and the bottle of tequila running around. You just hear the whistle come up behind you. He uh, yanks your head back, starts dumping it into you like you're a showgirl in Vegas. And then um, it's up to you to tip him, basically. So it's it, we had fun in Tijuana. I'm not, I'm not bad-mouthing. It's a little bit dangerous now. I wouldn't recommend Mexico. But, um, yeah, but, I mean, Buds is hard. Uh, I don't know. I just said I wasn't going to talk about Buds. Now I've been talking about Buds. But I, sh- I think I'm going to get more into that. And I need to uh, – I got a couple seals I want to interview. I got to get uh, McTeams on here for sure. That will be a fun interview. And um, – Obviously, Ray Cash Care will be a fun interview. And I'd love to get – well, McTeams was an instructor. I'd love to talk to some Bud's instructors. Some, especially, I'd love to talk to some of the guys that I was with uh, later on in my career that went out there like as a twilight tour to be instructors for like the last the last part of their 
their um, service in the Navy and retire out there. Because I, pr- well, that's what my plan was. I was going to go out there and make Master Chief and, and I, I didn't need to be the command master chief. I just wanted to have a, a power mustache. I don't need a beard. And um, a power mustache, probably some good cigars. And I would just kind of follow people around. You know, that I think that would be cool. I remember I got, uh, the first time I got talked to by a master chief as a bud student, and I'm talking day one in my greens. We used to wear greens like the Vietnam greens back in, back in the 90s. Which um, they, it's better to wear ripstop camouflage, which they do now, which is fine. Like I said, it's easier now. No, it's still it's still hard. Um, but the first master chief, he talked to me the first day. What I had done, being a complete dumbass at 19 years old, still in a white shirt. You you check in greens in a white shirt. A white shirt means underneath your 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 uh, blouse means that you haven't been through Hell Week yet, and you're you're a peon. And when you get through Hell Week, you have a brown shirt. And don't get me wrong, you're still a peon. I mean, you just, you just don't think you are. You've been through Hell Week, which really doesn't matter. You're not even close. But um, we're in our green shirts, and so it's like the first day. So I'm saying 227 dudes in greens and white shirts, and we're standing on the grinder. And what I had done is uh, I mislaced my boots. So you're supposed you're supposed at the very first lace you're supposed to go under. Not over, and I went over, and it's just it's just off, and it's one of those things as a boot. I mean, I I did boot camp, and then a, like a two week A school, PR A school in Millington, Tennessee, and then uh, I'm at Buds, literally knowing nothing, and uh, Master Chief um, uh, came up to me, and he his name was okay, his name was Dennis Chalker, and the guy is a legend. Uh, SEAL Team 6 guy, plank owner, which means he's one of the first ones there. He was in the movie The Rock. You'll know him when you see him. He's got the power mustache. He, he actually dies like a champ in that movie. But um, he came up to me, and and just Master Chiefs don't need to yell at you. Like like uh, a Master Chief, I remember I saw one guy walk up to a Master Chief first day at Team 2 and goes, hey, Master Chief, I've got a question. And he said, what's that? Where's the barber? That's awesome. <laughs> so he came up to me, Master Chief Dennis Chalker, and he was already a legend when I got there, so I knew who this dude was. And he's written a few books that, that he's just he's an old school, really tough uh, SEAL Team 6 original, like Red Cell type shit. We got to look into that. What a great, great stud. Um, but he walked up to me, and, and he's like, um, did you know your laces, your boots are laced wrong? Or he, It's a total trick question. And... Uh, you, you know, when you get asked a trick question, just say, I'm an idiot, and leave it at that and look straight ahead. When a match chief's looking at you, you look straight ahead. And he said, uh, you realize your laces are, your, your uh, boots are laced wrong. And I said, no, meaning no, I didn't know that. And he just said, you calling me a liar? Now, how do you answer that? I think I peed in my greens. So that's some bud stuff. And again, we're not going to get into a bunch of buds today because, like I said, it's a Friday episode, number 47, and there's just stuff going on that I can't help. I had to, I had to do this because, I, like I, I've said before, this is called the Operator Podcast because as an operator to an operator, I want to get your feedback, and I'm being serious. Um, when you get up in the morning and uh, you go to work or when you get up in the morning as a mom and you raise the kids and get them fed, get them off to school, you're operating. When you're, if you're doing stuff that really um, is helping anything. One of the coolest compliments I got was from a gentleman who was a custodial engineer at an elementary school, which means he's cleaning up after the kids. 
And you know that they they kind of go unnoticed because they're just cleaning up. But he's operating, and he told me that that uh, you know that that made him feel good. Which is, but I'm not bullshitting. That's a hard job. You know, I I go play shitty golf for a living, and I talk in a microphone. Come on, that shit's easy, right? Um, but uh, um, I I do want to get your feedback, and I want to hear what you think about this stuff. So the reason I'm talking to you right now is because a couple Fridays ago we had an issue with the Navy. It's always the Navy. No, not this time. Um, last time it was the Navy. There was a, a digital ambassador for recruiting, something like that, a sailor who um, was an E5 yeoman, and um, and then his name as a drag queen was Harpy Daniels, I believe. Um, so I had to talk about that, and just the, the what I brought up back then, and I still feel the same way, is you do whatever you want, and... Um, that's what freedom's all about. You you do you. I think there's a time and place. I've even said so far as like if if one of those ships like the USS Austin is out to sea, which it and you can be out there. I think I think it's fifty days. You get two beers. I brought this up. Steel Beach picnic, two beers and a burger, and then that you can find the E fours who can't have well take their beers from them, or if you know the dudes running the um, running the armory, the beers are usually in there. Or if you yeah, never mind. Um, but. If if you're out to sea that long, and I'm a huge believer in morale, I think that um, you, you got. I mean, you don't need to kiss anyone's ass, but you need to if they're if they're worth it, you need to let them know they are appreciated. You certainly don't need to be uh, uh, yelling at people all the time. Sometimes it's appropriate. Like I said, other times there are better ways to get in someone's head. Like I had a boss that used to say, um, "You're just better than that," and walk away. That's a good ass chewing right there. Because if you get yelled at, you're gonna you're gonna I mean, depending on who's doing the yelling, you're gonna get scared, but then you're gonna be like, fuck that guy in your head. Or you're gonna say fuck that guy to his face, and then he whips your ass, depending again on who you are and who he is. Um, but I, I what I was saying is if you're out to sea like that, keeping morale high, if and I'm being honest, if the dudes want a drag show at sea and there's no camera, I mean, there's gonna be cameras around, but like we're not advertising, it's like whatever. Fine. If the, if the chief's mess is cool with it, that was my question. All these people are yelling and screaming about Harpy Daniels being a um, you know who knew what and, and when. Where was the chief's mess? And the chief's mess is where the chiefs hang out. Chiefs, senior chiefs, master chiefs. We talked about them. Where were they? And what's their input? Not that they can override the XO or the commanding officer, but a good XO and a good commanding officer definitely take the um, ad- advice from a senior enlisted guy senior enlisted woman because they've been there a long, long time. They know how to run a base. They know how to run a ship or a boat. Um, so where were they? But if if ship's company has been doing gator squares in a bumpy-ass ocean for a long time and a drag show from the yeoman will make us cheer a little bit and laugh, fuck it, right? Fine, if they're cool with that. However, the recruiting aspect, I think, is the wrong place for that. It sends the wrong message of a powerful military just because uh, that's not what China and Russia and Iran are doing. So leave it where it needs to be. But that was a big issue. And then, you know, we had uh, my friend General Mark Milley, who's the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff um, for now. He, uh, he said he was not aware of it, uh, of the first one. He, well, he wasn't aware of the Navy. And you, you should talk to the uh, Secretary of the Navy or the Chief of Naval Operations, who is the senior officer in the Navy, and that to me just kind of says uh, you are you maybe didn't give direction, but you are responsible ultimately. And if some major decision like that wasn't told to you, why is that? And where was that uh, that break in the in the uh, 
evolving chain of command. Why didn't you know about it? What now? Does that mean they did tell you and you're lying now, or they didn't tell you and they're lying to you, or are you just incompetent? That's these are questions I raise. And and I when I said my friend Mark Milley, it's just because I said I've talked about him before. I don't want to talk shit because I've never met. And I don't think it's fair to talk shit to someone you've never met, especially in, in that line of work. I mean, I don't care which side of the aisle you're on. That's got to be pretty stressful. Even though you have a staff and someone carrying your bags for you everywhere you go in private jet and shit, it's still kind of, even though someone's telling you exactly where to be and they take your minutes for you, um, it's still got to be stressful, right? And so this happened again is the point I'm making. Um, at uh, uh, the Air Force Base in Nevada, it's Nellis Air Force Base in Nevada, which to me would be, a, I like that place too because I think they were flying a lot of our Predator drones during the wars there. And so Predators are badass. And the Hellfire. Ooh. Oh, I got to tell you that story. Boy. I, yeah. We were, huh. We had a Hellfire hit a, a senior Al-Qaeda guy um, a while back. And then we, I'll tell you that story. I, I got to check and see if I've already told you. But that's a good story. Uh, grueling pictures. But, uh, but ne- the thing about Nellis is, a lot of these, uh, well, the guy, not I, th- I don't think all the guys flying the planes are pilots, but they would definitely, I'd tell people as a pilot if I was flying that son of a bitch. They, they might be. Look that up and tell me. Are Predator drone flyers, are they pilots? Which, okay, that's cool. But uh, a, a, some of the guys, I guess, at the Air Force Base, pushing the button for a, a, a drone a couple thousand miles away to hit someone he's never met and never going to see. And I get it. If you, if you, start thinking about what you just did. Um, they started saying PTSD, which I'm a big believer in PC- PTSD, and it happens and it sucks. Um, but also I'm thinking some of these young dudes that didn't really do anything with that predator did have a bunch of whiskey and lost a ton of money at the crap stable last night, and that's the PTSD or whatever. You can blame that, and that's fine. Do what you do. Um, but, okay, so back to Nellis. What, what, they, what they were having was uh, they were having a uh, drag show – uh, at Nellis Air Force Base at the Officers Club. That's pretty fitting. <laughs> and again, I don't, I, I always, look, that's a thing sort of in the military. The senior enlisted guys are going to say some shit about the senior, junior officers. I have said some shit about the senior officers, and I don't always mean it because, uh, like I said, you, a lot of people you don't know, there's good people out there. There really is. But um, the Officers Club was hosting a drag show, um, and it said, okay. No minimum age. I'll let that sink in. No minimum age, but you need to be 21 to buy drinks. So basically they're saying um, you can bring your kids to the officer's club and let them hang out with. Okay, again, I have a sense of humor, and I've been to drag shows before, and they're, I mean, when it's a proper crowd of adults, they're kind of awesome. Let's just be honest with each other. We're all operators here. We're telling each other the truth. But, and so this is where this, I mean, I'm smiling right now because the sense of humor. Um, the three drag queens who were going to show up were LaWanda Jackson, and I guess she's been on, on um, she was on a, a famous show, um, uh, damn it, on TV. It was a reality show about drag queens. RuPaul hosted it, and I, I think that was pretty funny. So LaWanda Jackson and then Coco Montrese, and the third is my favorite. Her name, his name, whatever, you do you, is Carney Asada. Uh-huh. You heard me. <laughs> and Carney Asada refers to herself as the mother of meat. That's a play on words there for Carney Asada if you don't speak Spanish, which I do not. But uh, no min- minimum age. And um, 
You can buy booze, but it's now the problem is it's on a base. There are there's I don't know if you've been to a Marine Corps town or a Navy town or an Army town and apparently an Air Force base. There is some riffraff going on out outside the base. You can you can get pretty much everything you want outside the base. I would recommend talking to your significant other before a tattoo. Uh, definitely find out when you're having a piss test, if there's other stuff you're going to do, and all kinds of tit flops, titty bars, um, strip joint, gentlemen's clubs. Um, so, but having it on the base is another issue. Again, like we talked about with the recruiting thing. Uh, now it becomes a problem because this is DOD, Department of Defense, funded. And it was an issue a couple months ago when Harpy Daniels came up, and then uh, General Milley said he didn't know anything about it. And then, so, and I don't know how recent this was. I think it was, it's been, it was recent. Uh, um, Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin and, and uh, Chairman of the Joint Chiefs, Mark Milley, General Mark Milley, were in front of Congress. And uh, Secretary Austin said, well, Drag Queen Story Hour is not something the department funds. So Congressman Matt Gates was grilling him, and it almost was... Uh, uncomfortable because he started going through the lists of where the DOD on base was funding these things, his Ramstein Air Base in um, in Germany. I mean, even though it did get canceled because of the, uh, the bad press, and he said, uh, drag shows are not something the Department of Defense supports or funds. And he goes, well, how about Maelstrom Air Force Base, which is in my home state of Montana, Drag Queen Story Hour. And his response was, like I said, drag shows are not something the Department of Defense supports or funds. He said, okay, Joint Base Langley-Eustis Drag Queen Story Hour on a Saturday for the first ever kid-friendly diversity, equity, inclusion summer festival. And he was getting very angry, Secretary Austin. And uh, he said, uh, Nellis, again, it happened in 2021. Who funded this? Now he's Obviously pissed, he's saying drag queens are not something the Department of Defense supports or funds. And then it, it gets frustrating because it's like, you obviously do. And just because you're giving us lip service and saying the same bullshit doesn't mean you're not doing it. You can't just sit. Now you're, you're basically lying to Congress because the DOD does support and fund this because it's all over the place. And if you even look on the Internet, you can see the, the flyers and stuff for all these, stu- uh, all these things. And they've had them before. And uh, it's, you know, they're celebrating um, Pride Month, which is fine. But just the base is not a place to bring kids for Drag Queen Story Hour. Why is it so hard to uh, understand? Why is it a lot of people in this um, administration, why do they do that when they get asked a tough question? Well, the president kind of just laughs. He doesn't know. But like um, Jean-Pierre, the I apologize, the press secretary you ever notice she gets asked a question and say, well, I'll, I'll have to defer that to so-and-so? Or she'll say, well, the president's been very clear. No, he hasn't. He hasn't said a fucking word. Well, we've said before, and we've been very... If someone says, we've been very clear, no, they haven't. They're not being clear. They're usually lying to you, but they're not answering the question. They'll just refer... Well, I'll just defer to this. Or, or we've been clear in the past, and just refer to that. No. So, uh, and they just, I will say it again. And, um, y- I mean, you may stand by what you're saying, but this is... Joe Biden's administration doing this. And they're just they keep saying they just keep saying what they're saying and and this is the budget now so the the Department of Defense which is a I think it might be the biggest um, employer in the United States. It has an, a a budget of 860 billion dollars. Well, a billion. And I mean they're throwing around trillion so much that billion 
doesn't even seem like much. Like a carrier, an aircraft carrier costs $14 billion, and that's a lot of money, and that's a big ship with a lot of technology. But And, and again, check my math. But um, if, if we can make... $14 billion sound like nothing, a drop in the bucket. We're spending way too much money. And we have, we have, there's no one, and this is very common with government employees and especially the Department of Defense, there's no one auditing that. They, 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 they were missing a huge, 40% of their budget, their audit has never, it's never been good. They've never had a clean audit. And there's so many people in the pie and so much redundancy going on in the Department of Defense. That's a lot of money, but I mean, it's taxpayer money that we're wasting. They they just had with uh, with uh, whatever's going on in Ukraine, what however, how whatever however money's funneling to someone in Ukraine, they had a three billion dollar accounting error, and they tried to say um, something like, oh well that's great that means we were over budget so we can just we can buy more weapons to send over there with that no, that is not how you fuck up on your taxes and you see how fast the government comes comes after you the government fucks up nah. Whatever. And did you notice the guys in the government? Congress. Man, they, they, they make the best stock picks. How do they do that? They're so smart. We Did you know, you might not know this, talking about auditing and talking about your taxpayer dollars, uh, do you know in the past five years, we've and again, we're talking in billions now, not trillions, so it doesn't sound like that big of a deal. I actually had a tweet the, uh, the other day where I said, um, we can solve this debt crisis problem if every American simply cuts a check for $100,000, writes it out to the IRS, boom, problem solved, surplus. That's how ridiculous this is. But they're making trillion sound like every day. If I raise it for more trillion dollars, a billion is a lot of money. That's a lot of money, right? Um, here's some you might not know. Over the past five years, the Department of Defense, your money, uh, gave $1.3 billion, get a load of this, to Russia and China. Huh. I thought we, but I thought with Russia and Ukraine, where is, uh, you know what it was for though? Gender equality. Uh, Wuhan lab studies. We know how that worked out. And there was an experiment in um, in Russia with cats on treadmills. What the fuck? But that's your money. A couple hundred thousand here, cat. Hey, here, kitty, get on the treadmill. But um, here, that's the issue. So we're so worried about this money that uh, we should be. We're wasting so much money everywhere. That's why the drag queen thing shouldn't be a part of the budget. There's there's so much fat to be trimmed. They're uh, not on carne asada because she's dope. But uh, um, there's so much fat that can be trimmed that eventually ounces equal pounds. You can get some of this budget back, but you're dealing with the government, so they got to keep spending so they can maintain their budget, and that's just how they work. And so, we're as opposed to as opposed to doing what the military is doing, we've taken our eye off the ball. As opposed to thinking about f- the future, what could happen in the future, and these alliances that are happening, because right now we're talking about drag queens and not realizing China's meeting with Russia right now, and China is benefiting. Because Russia's in a war of attrition, and China hasn't been in a war since they fought Japan somewhere in between 1937 and 1945. And I'm not a a history professor, but I think the world had a lot of shit going on then, so everyone was fighting. But China's benefiting now because a long-term battle of attrition in Ukraine weakens Russia, which means that's stepping up China's reach. And what China, you know, China's not fighting a war of attrition. China's growing islands in the South Pacific so they can militarize them and they're going to they're surrounding Taiwan because they got about 2 years of this administration where they can take it and we won't do shit. 
But um, um, the long-term battle strengthens China, weakens Russia. As long as they're fighting there and as long as we're wasting our money up there or whatever we're doing with it, that's great with China. They're happy with this. Um, energy. This is really, really helping China with their energy because, I don't know if you know this, and you should ask some of these um, uh, climate change activists, why isn't China following all these rules? Because their uh, pipe, pipeline gas ex, exports from Russia to China increased two and a half times in 2022. So they're getting energy there. Liquefied natural gas more than doubled Russia to China. Coal, here's a bad word that you need to power your friggin' iPhone and electric car. Uh, well, coal went up by 20%. That's a lot of coal going from Russia to China. Also, there's a lot of coal probably around, I don't know, the Ukraine, Afghanistan area, stuff like that. And then, you know what else China's getting? Because they're assisting, and they're, you know, they're talking about their partnership now. They are not afraid. There is no deterrence. China and Russia are talking. Um, weapon systems. The West and Russia are way ahead of uh, advanced propulsion for attack subs. Well, China's going to get that. What else? Oh, hypersonic missiles. Russia's pretty good at some of that stuff, too. China's going to get this stuff. And, I mean, think about some of the other scary stuff that you're not talking about, just because everything seems to want to get political, and nobody wants to tell the truth. Um, Iran. Oh, they're going to have a nuclear weapon soon. Because, uh, well, President Trump got rid of that stupid Iran nuke deal. Well, Biden got rid of that, get rid of. And so, and if you think, I mean... Do you okay? What, ask yourself honestly: Do you think Iran, the lead sponsor in state terror, is going to use their nuclear energy for peaceful means, or are they lying to us? Ask yourself that honest question. I don't care if you're a liberal or a conservative or a libertarian. Just ask yourself that: What's what's Iran going to do with this? And that loose talk about nuclear weapons, my God, th- that shouldn't even be a conversation. Because there is no conversation. And it's being thrown around. Well, tactical nukes. <laughs> what? Uh, Russia just moved nuclear weapons into Belarus. Or if they didn't, they're planning to. And Belarus is one of those states that, you know, they went along with Russia simply because they don't want Russia to invade them. And hey, hey, who knows? Maybe, um, maybe everyone's right and we need to fight in Ukraine to stop Russia from advancing on Europe. But I have a tendency to disagree with war decisions that Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer and all the Democrats agree with. I just kind of lean the other way. Republicans have been wrong in the past. That's true, too. Just uh, there's something going on in Ukraine. But that's why we have NATO, right? Now, we might as well fund that, too. But we, I mean, our issue, and it goes down, like I said, to the fat on the steak, to the fat on the carne asada, is that we have stopped winning wars. We really haven't, if you think about it. And that's not the soldier's fault. And that's not the technology's fault. We have that. We just, we won't define what winning is. We, a lot of, a lot of our institutions for military education, they talk about leadership. They don't talk about winning. And winning is, it doesn't matter why you're here. Winning is where you are when it's over. That, and it's pretty much that simple. Here's, here's some messed up stuff, too. And we, and we manage to get into wars a lot. And we, um, if we're not in a war, we're in a proxy war, or we're scaring you with war. And that's, again, the military-industrial complex because someone's getting paid. Follow the money. But here's something scary, and we've been in a lot of conflicts, but the last time Congress declared war, and Congress is to blame for this, too, the last time Congress declared war was World War II. 
right? We went to Korea right after World War II. That's where I think MacArthur got in trouble. We're still in a stalemate there. We went to the Vietnam conflict. How'd that work out? Oh, they're, they got communism. And then you got Grenada, you got Panama, you got Somalia, you got Iraq twice, Afghanistan. And again, it's not the soldiers. It's, it's, the, uh, it's the thinking. It's doing everything the same way and expecting a different answer. The, the, the answers that you'll get, and you see a lot of this, especially in partisan politics, the answers you get are um, usually the, the laws of war or the UN, which is the most useless American-hating industry, but they have this kick-ass land right on the river in New York. Or what you'll see a lot of is a strongly lettered word. Strongly worded letter, I meant. Um, or a committee, or we're going to start a new subcommittee, and we are going to, uh, we'll, we're going to ask um, the think tanks in D.C. with retired generals. And these are the same experts that have been making the calls for so long. They, the same experts that said Saddam definitely has weapons of mass destruction, so we got to go into Iraq, whatever reason. And here's something, too, and I've heard other vets talk about this. Uh, these are the same experts, and here's the way it goes. Okay, the war in Afghanistan and Iraq can be won quickly and cheaply. We can win it quick and cheap. Then it doesn't happen. And even going in there, we're like, okay, wh- what's the plan in Iraq? Well, we're going to take down Saddam and the Sunnis, and then the Shia are going to rise up with us. And then we were like, what if they don't? Well, they will. What if they don't? Well, they will. Okay, so you're living in the past. So we're going to win them quick, fast, and in a hurry, and cheap. Doesn't work. So now what we do? Well, shit, we better start to build a nation and install Jeffersonian democracy. Well, that doesn't work because now both sides are rising up against us. The locals don't like us because regardless of how what your intentions are, you're, you are going to be an occupier. That's just how it works. Imagine if like people came here in your town. Well, we can talk about that later. So we can't nation build. So now we got to instill uh, uh, what we call coin counterinsurgency. That'll win. Well, it doesn't win because even at JSOC, Joint Special Oper- Operations Command, we were um, we were doing missions, and we were just I mean we were killing terrorists every night. And it was working on our end, but what's the big picture? Well, we'll surge. The surge will win. Well, the surge won't win. Well, we'll surge again, and then we'll get in a political political fight because at this point it's got to be an election season, and we just keep doing that. And um, like I said, we won the fights face-to-face, but uh, though, I mean, look at those countries now. Pretty much worse off. Uh, you got Iran, who is <laughs> apparently making nuclear energy for, for peaceful reasons. They're, they're all, they're, their fingerprints are all over um, Baghdad. So they're in there. They're pushing across, obviously, to Israel. Um, and then uh, these experts will say, well, war is complex and it can't be done. And that's it. And that's the answer. Uh, we'll just pull the troops out. But let's go to Ukraine. So, so uh, like I said, it's not the troops or the technology. It's the way we think. And we got to look at the future. Um, I mean, and, and wars in the future are going to be different. Because, like I mentioned, hypersonic missiles and lasers. I, I mean, there's, there might not be a big naval battle. I hope there's not. I don't want war. I'm a, I don't like war. I'm against that. I hope no one goes to war. But be, for some reason, regardless of education we always end up killing each other it just it's it's a way to do it um but it's not not necessarily going to be tank battles like because you got tow missiles you got a10s um but now hypersonic missiles lasers and, and microwaves uh electromagnetic pulse what if someone just turns you off uh i mean a war could be being fought right now you don't even really realize it because you don't want to tiktok espionage 
Chinese spies at universities all over the place. They have, uh, they're in our schools. <laughs> they're probably teaching some classes. They, uh, China had, um, they probably still have police stations in New York City so they can monitor um, defectors and stuff like that. So you got to look ahead, and that's what I get, got to get back to is, is um, winning. Let's talk about winning. And winning cannot be won. A war is not going to be won in a classroom. But you got to think ahead. And looking ahead means telling the truth. And I just mentioned, uh, no matter the technology, we always end up killing each other. So that means, unfortunately, a lot of this young generation might have to fight in a war. And what's that going to look like? Because they're not even being told the truth right now. They're sitting in classrooms. Down is up. Up is down. Math is racist. Um... Men can have kids' birth. Um, they're being told stuff that obviously is not true, and they're believing it. Uh, I mean, it's, and it's all it's same thing with the masks. It's same thing with climate change. It's the same thing with uh, with the the vaccine and with um, the damn lockdowns and COVID. It's all believe the science. The science is fine. No, it's fucking not. Who's telling you this? Someone who's getting paid. Pfizer sure did um, sponsor a lot of shit on TV, didn't they? But these kids are being force-fed a lot of the stuff through the schooling system. We got to do a, an episode about the the schooling, the public schools, and stuff like that. But um, uh, they're 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 being told something on a, by a political agenda because somewhere somewhere wants to keep personal power. And if you don't tell them the truth, what happens if they get invaded here? How many of these dudes are going to fight? Are they going to? I know. Like I said, um, I think that um, social media it really. It, it, it uh, magnifies the worst in us. And I, I, like I said, I travel a lot, not this month, but I see a lot of good people. And I've even talked to high schools, believe it or not. Um, universities, not so much, but I've asked college kids what it's like. And it's, you know, you see bad shit on Twitter, you see bad shit on TikTok, and you see those little punks that are doing, um, doing pranks. But like, I, I, I wonder uh, with, the, with the dudes doing pranks, sneaking up on uh, some unwilling person unwittingly uh, getting money out of an ATM and all of a sudden the pranker attacks him, dude turns around and kicks his ass. Hmm. You're willing to pull a prank? I got a question. Are you willing to fight for your country? And we're talking about uh, wars and future wars, uh, but no matter what, wars usually have rules. Babies do not. Dirty diaper screaming fits and sleepless nights. Parenthood is not for the faint of heart, I know. But tactical baby gear was founded by parents for parents with kit you'll be proud to carry. You'll overcome every spit-up, blow-out, and meltdown along the way. Prepare for whatever parenting has you getting into with everything cool, like a fully customizable tactical baby diaper bag that's ready. But be ready yourself. Be prepared because it could get messy. You got to check out the strollers and wagons. I love these. They have the largest in-class wheels and adjustable suspension. You can pretty much take these off-road if you're being responsible. Any adventure. Um... And baby wagons, they, you know, they have the stroller, they have the baby wagon that sits two, they have one that sits four. I think it's really cool. Got the whole gang out there. The gear is highly practical, highly functional, and extremely high quality. It's always ready. I mean everything. I mentioned the, uh, the wagons. They got diaper bags, baby carriers, everything in between. Lifetime warranty. Use code THEOPERATOR to save 15% at tacticalbabygear.com. So that's tacticalbabygear.com. 
Use code the operator, save fifteen percent. Right now, they have some Father's Day sales too. It's worth checking out tacticalbabygear.com. From emergency diaper changes to everyday messes, they've got you covered with a full lineup of changing essentials. The emergency blog kit, eight pack of wipes are perfect for travel, and a case of one hundred premium diapers, and that will get you st- uh, started on your diaper changing journey. Tacticalbabygear.com. Save fifteen percent with code the operator. God, guns, and diapers, baby. This uh, podcast and conversation is also brought to you by my friends at My Patriot Supply. Very important. Listen up, because uh, everywhere you look, it seems like a lot of things are falling apart. (laughs) The The smartest investment you can make right now is in your family's food security. If someone else controls the food, they can control you. The reality is you might not be able to find food when the next disaster strikes and, and weird stuff has happened. Grocery stores will be empty because roads will be closed and trucks won't be able to make deliveries. That's why I urge you to grab a three-month emergency food kit from My Patriot Supply, the nation's largest preparedness company. When you order today, you'll save $200 on each kit you need. Having these kits mean your family will stay fed while others stand in food and bread lines. Don't delay. Order your three-month emergency food kit today and save $200 per kit. And it's very easy to order. Go to preparewithrob.com. You'll get fast and free shipping too. Do this today. Don't want to regret it tomorrow. Preparewithrob.com. Yeah, but that's uh, some of the uh, some of the the younger generation and obviously they're going to say uh they're going to say stuff about the older generation it works like that all the time it's uh you know the whole i used to walk uphill both ways type thing but i mean i think we're we're seeing stuff with these kids because of the agendas they're being taught because of the the outright fear they're being told by um corporations and by teachers and the because they so, some of these uh, left-wing teachers have turned stuff into religion, like climate change. And, like, you, you got you got kids out there, um, Greta, what's her name, who 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 is saying that she, she wants people to feel the fear that she has to fear. And they're fearing her by telling her that they're, um, they're scaring her by telling her the planet's not going to be there when she needs it to be. Um, it's going to be, you know, we're all going to be dead in seven years, which is what they always say. Al, Al Gore said that some way back when that, you know, everything will be uh, underwater on the East Coast. And it, it's like our our child, our child, the planet has a temperature and we got to do something about it, even though and it, you can't dissent against that. You've seen scientists try to d- d- dissent against climate change or covid. And they again, they just yell the science has proven it. And uh, the majority of scientists well, not, the majority of scientists that are getting paid by the government, getting grants, they're going to go along with the climate change thing. But the thing is, they're they're scaring these kids into and and it's not just the United States; it's in Europe too. You see, have you seen those protests? You got uh, pouring milk and crap on priceless works of art and getting into fountains that are not quite ancient, but they're they're old and they need to be restored. And they're throwing stuff at whatever they're um gluing themselves i i think it's it's funny when they glue themselves to something something and the officer just rips their hand off of it because don't glue yourself because that's really not doing anything um stopping traffic and trying to get rid of cow farts some of this ridiculous shit that they're they're teaching these kids um but the the issue is you only know what you're taught and if these uh leftist um activist teachers are teaching them this stuff in school Kids are being taught stuff in school that is not necessarily true. We're definitely going to do um, 
I'm going to do some research on some schooling. I know of a couple books um, that have been written by people who've done decades in the public school systems and, and, and the, uh, the reason that um, a lot of people think this way because they're taught that way from a young age. And I mean, everything with the, uh, the illiteracy, people can't read. But they're being taught about gender. Gender. Um, I don't even. What, I don't even know what they call it. Gender affirmation or whatever. I don't want to get into that now. But these these activists show up places and throw stuff on people and protest and stop traffic. Did you see the? Uh, there was the Swedish version of Dancing with the Stars, and they were in the finals. And and they're talent. These are talented dancers. Uh, and these. The I think that there was there was the finals and there was a, a a man and a woman allegedly dancing and these protesters came in to they're throwing green not smoke but it's some sort of like it, look, it looks like flour that's food colored green or whatever not quite sand but because it, it floats in the air and they're they're trying to get in front of the camera and the cameras in some of these places I've been in studio they have they have they look like a big a crane like a hand worked crane and you, that's how you can move. Like the, the, it's like a, a V-shape, and the camera's on the end. The cameraman can extend it to get the close-up shots, and they're really good with it. And this uh, cameraman, uh, he knocked down really hard. He hit hit a, hit one of the protesters who was trying to make a statement and hold up a sign. He he got the camera up to him, and it's just like, yeet, and just dropped him to the ground. And I'm sure he'll get charged with, with, with something, but uh, it's, it is. I do like it when someone doing something – that is interfering with other people because, like I said, freedom of well, that's Sweden, so I don't even know what their rules are. But for freedom of speech, you should be able to say anything, but stop affecting other people with it. It's, it's okay to protest, but when you get into stuff like that, when you start gluing yourself to priceless works of art, I think you deserve an ass whipping. So he yeeted the guy with the camera, and I thought that was a, I thought that was a good a good way to handle it. But that's uh, that's the, some of the stuff that they're. They're teaching a lot of the kids, and again, I want to get into it. I'd love to interview some people who go to school or who teach school. Uh, my mother's a teacher. I could still interview her. She's told me stuff about uh, a lot of the kids this generation that are, that don't even take it serious, just think that everything's going to be handed to them, and then they're going to go to college, and then they're going to breeze through college, and then, uh, I mean, life doesn't necessarily work that way, and eventually we're going to run out of somebody somebody else's money. Because, uh, but the government's up there too. Because they're, um, they've they've been. You'll hear them, them politicians, especially the left, say, "Well, we're doing this to defend our democracy," and they say, "Defend our democracy," and this is a threat to our democracy. So often that they're trying to instill in you that we are a democracy. We're not a democracy. We're a constitutional republic, which means a de- the basic breakdown. And I'm dumbing this down for myself. A democracy wants everyone to have equality at the end. Um, a constitutional republic gives you the right to um, pursue happiness and do it yourself. And a do-it-yourself thing would be sort of a capitalist-type way to roll, and that they don't like that at all. They want the government in control, and they want you to be poor, and they want to have power. Ultimate power is what they want. Why do you think these people never leave uh, Congress? Why Congress is not meant to be a career. They had they had terms and they should have term limits, but they don't. And then now you're wrapped up in the uh, 
we vote on term limits. We're never going to do that. We vote on our raises. We're always going to do that. And then they have staffers and there's bureaucrats. Uh, bureaucrats are just appointed in the three-letter agencies and, and they're government employees. They're not accountable to anybody and they're going to be there forever. So that's the, I mean, that's, again, the self-licking ice cream cone. It's, in, uh, it's the swamp, as they call it, and it's, it's on both sides. They love their power. Look at, um, look at Senator Barbara Boxer. She, I, I don't even know if she can talk. She definitely doesn't know where she is. She's in a wheelchair, and she, they're, just, they're waiting to get a proper replacement. It's like the John Fetterman thing. He had a stroke, and they're still pushing him to stay there. He had to go into the hospital for severe depression, as they say, and that's, that's obviously the least controversial thing that they can say. But you, you saw the interview, I hope, with, with um, when he was running for, for office in, in Pennsylvania. They don't give a shit. You think the Democrats give a shit about John Fetterman's health? No. They give, about his, they give a shit about his vote on the Senate floor. And they can have staffers do that for him. That's what they do. It's the people behind the scenes that are making the call. Look at, look at, um, look at our president. He fell again uh, at, at, Air, at the Air Force graduation. And he fell. Like, I'm not even poking fun here. He... Uh, he he no shit took a st- he fell down and like you can see his you can see his his undershirt you can see his butt because he fell so hard he's on his side and secret service is picking him up and then he points back and uh he says there's sandbags there and he tripped on enough okay there's a couple issues with the sandbags um who put those there <laughs> why are there sandbags right there did did Kamala Harris put them there cuz you got to figure this is scary Joe takes a bad fall and whacks his head. Kamala Harris is president, and then she gets to run as the incumbent. And she's not exactly articulate, but she's more articulate than Joe Biden, and the Democrats are going to leech onto anyone they can to go up against whomever is the Republican, because unfortunately we're in a two-party system, and that's just how it works. But who put the, was it Gavin Newsom? Did he sneak in there with that great hair and put those sandbags there? Because, you know, when Joe Biden leaves town, which is a lot, uh, or just hangs out in the basement. Gavin Newsom shows up and starts measuring drapes in the White House. Because as shitty as that is, he's articulate as well. He can run. And your policies really don't matter because there are so many people that vote on one side or the other. And if you vote on one side or the other, if you only if you only follow your party and only defend your party and only trash the other party, and I don't like the two-party system, but if you only defend your party and only talk shit about the other party, that you're part of the problem too. That's that's the issue. Uh, the the founding fathers knew that the two party system would be the downfall. It is for everybody. You got guys out there defending Joe Biden because of the sandbags. Why, who put? Why are they there? And why isn't the president aware enough? Well, you all know why. But here's a crazy thing, and I have to tell people that I hang out with sometimes. A good idea to do is look before you walk. Keep it simple. Master the basics. Look down. What's there? Don't just blindly stumble across and then fall in front of a bunch of um, cadets that are graduating to be pilots in our Air Force. It's just it's not a good look. What do you think? Um, what What is, again, Vladimir Putin and uh, Xi Jinping think about that when they see the the leader of the free world can't walk? And he certainly can't put a sentence together. He's not talking to anybody. Here's a guy that's running for a second term, allegedly. And uh, he, he's not even going to rallies. He's not going to debate anybody. He's going to do, they're going to they're try to figure out a way to uh, get, get 
people locked down and keep him in a basement if that's all they have. But you got to figure who do the Democrats have? Um, and look, look at their tactics. We they're the ones that always are talking democracy, even though, like I said, we're a constitutional republic. They're the uh, they're the ones with there's there's a trick in communism: admit nothing, deny everything, and make counter accusations. So it's like, oh, I'm not doing that, but you sure are. You're a fascist, and fascism basically is uh, censorship. Okay, that's one thing. It's censorship, which is a, that's another word for canceling, cancel culture. Who's doing the canceling? The left. Um, fascism is shutting down your political opponents, jailing them. Look what they're trying to do with Donald Trump right now. They can't. They they they're so worried about beat not, uh, about um, losing to him. That they're they don't have a candidate, and he's you know he's on a roll. I disagree with some stuff he says, but uh, he's on a roll, and a lot of people want to vote for him. So what are they trying to do? Arrest him? Look at that. I mean, this is this is no kidding. Fascist communism. That, that okay? I, we can't beat him. Let's shut him down. Let's put him in jail. That's they're going after Trump right now. You shut down your political opponents. Look at what look at what they did uh, in, in the uh, election twenty twenty. You got. The FBI colluding with social media, and that right there is, it's like uh, censorship, censoring political opponents. Right now they got the Mexican president talking trash about Ron DeSantis, and and, and he's telling Latino Americans not to vote for Ron DeSantis, not one vote for Ron DeSantis. That, that That is interference in an election from another country. Weren't they complaining about that with Vladimir Putin? Probably. But it's admit nothing, deny everything. Make counter accusations, but uh, if, if you just look at it, if, check out the difference of a constitutional republic and um, a democracy. And all they say is democracy, defend our democracy, and it's the talking points. Well, we're defending our democracy. January sixth is an attack on democracy, and they're just throwing democracy at your face. This is why you need we need to educate ourselves. You're not learning a, a lot of good stuff in school, and you're certainly not learning the good stuff on in college. But that's neither here nor there, and. Uh, no, it's not not neither here nor there, but some of the stuff you actually need to the, you need to get out of the phone and get out. Uh, try to find some history. Look at where you're looking too. Look at where you're getting your source. And I'm not saying go to the far right stuff. I'm not saying go to the far left stuff. But try to find someone who you think is legit, um, a legit writing stuff or doing research or do some research for yourself. But all this stuff with the 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 politicizing, the amount of time it's taken for an empire to fall, which we're right around there. How it falls, it's from the inside out, not from the outside in. And then you also got to consider the future of war. I mean, what's the future? The future of war is not necessarily, like I said, going to be. Um, it's not going to be tanks and and uh, and ships. It's going to be something else. There's going to be private armies. Look at the Wagner Group that the, the Russians are using. That's that those are mercenaries. You're going to have big oil getting their own private armies and stuff like that, which you probably already have. Armed security, people going places and fighting in different spots, and then obviously. Uh, information and all that good stuff but that's sort of the future and, and politically because there's two years until the next election yeah I, and we'll we will talk about this again it's uh it's very entertaining <laughs> not that not not uh it, it's kind of depressing but it's good to talk about stuff like this um once in a while try to look for what's going on and why try to figure out why stuff is happening why you know why is this uh why are these agendas being pushed on big companies and why are they going with it uh, when there's a, a fringe element of less than a half percent of the population, but we're bowing down to them and because some people speak up against it, uh, 
they are canceled. Just like in fascism. <laughs> it's the big companies doing it to people that say stuff that disagree with the very, very few but loud minority. So, um, yeah, that's uh, that's 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 that stuff to think about. Friday weekend, we got uh, what do we got going on? NBA finals are up. This has been good because we we've been we've been talking to each other on the operator podcast for uh, you know since the World Cup. This is episode forty seven, which is awesome. So that's good, and I appreciate everyone sticking around. Don't forget to hit me up in the comments if you can make a well stated argument with punctuation in the comments on my social media page you're never out of the fight bet mgm has an unreal deal for sports fans in virginia turn five dollars into 150 dollars instantly when you place your first wager at bet mgm simply download the bet mgm app and sign up using code champion 150 then place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager, only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.